1: To get started, visit plushcare.com weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss.
2: The Opinion Line on Corks 96FM
3: Should working grandparents be given time off when their grandchildren are born? Grandternity. Grandternity. Great word. Grand Ternity Leave is the new hot topic and I'm joined by Caroline Reedy who's with the HR Suite. Morning to you
4: Caroline. Good morning. This is a great idea. I think what it's trying to do, and I think the positive, you've just uh, been chatting there about fertility treatment, grandternity is another key milestone in people's lives. And what we're finding is that companies who are proactive at wanting to help employees with work-life balance are proactively trying to introduce policies to facilitate people to take time off when they need it that doesn't impact their holidays. Because let's be honest, 20-ish days in most companies doesn't be long going in terms of, you know, holidays, wedding, you know, a few occasions Mm. during the year. So if you need to take time off because you've had a new grandchild and you want to even just go visit, big debate about whether you should have to help or not, but whether you want to visit or whether you want to help, etc., or whether you need time off for fertility treatment, etc. A lot of companies are starting to respond and introduce additional policies in organisations, whether they be paid or unpaid, to facilitate people during this life journey and key milestones.
3: Do we know if if many grandparents would be interested in taking time off? You know the old saying, you know, the great thing about being a grandparent is that when you babysit, it's wonderful just to be able to hand the baby back. Um, do many grandparents really take it this seriously that they would like to devote time off work to actually caring for their grandchildren?
4: The idea of this is so that people have the option. So, for example, in France, when people are, you know, of an age, they start allowing them to taper off their working hours to encourage them to stay working longer in the workforce. This idea is similar. So it's optional. You can take it should you wish to take it. But if you don't want to take it, you don't have to take it. But for example, if you have a new grandchild, a lot of people, they're not living in close proximity. They may need to travel. You know, they might want to take that additional week of unpaid leave in most organisations, some of it as paid leave, but most it's unpaid leave, to be able to travel and visit and support and help. Again, it's an optional um, opportunity, but I think what it does is it's starting to help organisations to see that, look, people come to work as a holistic person. A lot of organisations, the same with fertility leave, have started to introduce uh, policies where people are getting paid leave to take time off to undergo fertility treatment and some organizations, for example, Arthur Cox, have even facilitated leave for the partner of the person as well. So again, I think these are really progressive policies because they're giving people options. We later on this year in Ireland have the introduction of remote and flexible working, which is coming into our legislation. But again, it means that you don't need to have children, you don't need to have grandchildren, etc. You can request flexible working to suit your working circumstances in line with your work-life balance. And I think we're definitely more progressive in seeing these type of things come into play because people value their downtime Mm. and their time in terms of that work-life balance so much now.
3: And more companies, well, according to the Wall Street Journal, more companies are trying to encourage their older workers to stay working. Isn't that the case?
4: Absolutely. We're in a full labour market. We have no retirement age in Ireland, so people can work on as long as they're fit and able to do so unless the company can objectively justify another reason as to why they need to retire, Well, I think, even my, though I think there are some fairness, contractual many, ones.
3: Yeah, many people can't afford to retire, which is probably one of the reasons why they're working so long.
4: Absolutely. And not alone can they not afford it. In some cases, people are living longer, they're healthier. If they can reduce their hours, they see work as part of their social, you know, uh, interaction and they enjoy it etc once they've got the option to do it within hours that they feel suit them so I think there's a lot of merit in if we want to retain really good talent with lots of knowledge and expertise you know introducing flexibility and tapered hours for those people I think is really good but as I say it's going to come right across the board where people have the option to look for more flexibility later this year as part of the introduction of that legislation so I'm sure we'll talk more about it closer Mm. to the time but it's I think all of this is positive where companies are taking proactive steps this isn't something people have to take this is an option that people have available to them and I always think options are really good because it will suit uh, a certain amount of people. Are we a
3: different generation of grandparents now compared to our parents?
4: No doubt. I mean, people are healthier, they're living longer, people have, you know, uh, a lot more opportunity to work on longer. And as a result of that, people have generally busy lives. Obviously, some people choose to support and, you know, look after their grandchildren, but we equally see an awful lot of people you know who want to stay working longer so it's positive that people are getting the option to do that Um, but I think our our health piece is a key ingredient in making it uh, you know much better for people now isn't it?
3: Mm. Oh very much so I would agree and in terms of work-life balance just leaving the grand eternity leave aside for a moment I, 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 I think that, you know, we're all still suffering slightly from COVIDitis. Like, did the pandemic, has that changed the, the work-life balance completely? When you look at the, the great retirement, as they call it in the United States, where millions and millions of people left their jobs and never went back, what, what has COVID taught us about the importance of work-life balance?
4: I think a lot of people start to realise that we don't have to do the commute um, a lot, you know people are productive working from home and a lot of people have been able to continue to enjoy either fully remote or a hybrid and I think for a lot of organizations they've landed on a hybrid and I think that's been really really good and I think a lot of people equally have relocated to other parts of the world or the country and still can do their job remotely and again gives them a whole new uh, focus on work-life balance and I suppose the evolution of legislation like things like the right to disconnect so you can actually not be accessible all of the time. Things like the introduction of remote and flexible working, that's giving a statutory basis as well for organisations that I suppose are maybe slower coming to the party, um, which I think is positive too.
3: I'm wondering, is there any research, Caroline, in relation to people, and I know many, many people back during the middle portion of COVID. There was the, the, the lifting of restrictions and then they came down like heavy shutters again. People were saying, I've had enough of working two jobs where by the end of the week, I have nothing left to support me. I have no savings. I'm barely paying for the apartment I'm renting and putting food on the table. I can do without this. Where, where do you think those people are now? Those people who have literally opted out, have they opted back I- in?
4: Well, we've a full labour market, so any, you know, the majority of people who can work are now working. So the statistics very much support that. Um, so I think, though, what's happening is people have shifted in terms of where they might be working, or you know, the types of jobs they're working in. And we've also seen sectors respond to the need to get people back into those sectors. So an example of that would have been hospitality, where hospitality was closed and people might have gone to work in retail or call centers or other types of jobs where maybe the hours were more regular or they knew the roster more in advance. We've seen to attract people back into those sectors because people love the interaction and the vibe and the buzz that give, you know hospitality gives them. We've seen hospitality really respond to the need to have more certainty and shift pattern, etc, etc. So We're seeing sectors that have, I suppose, lost people during that peak of the pandemic, you know, really go and try and evolve in their HR practices to get people back into those sectors again, which is Mm. good for the employees. And it's a necessity for them, because ultimately, as we all know, without good people, you don't have a business, especially if it's a service based business. So I think a lot of organizations have started thinking outside the box. And ultimately, people will speak with their feet they're going to go to the good employers yeah. that look after their people and that's that's definitely an employer's market right now for them to do that
3: but are we not looking at a complete collapse of the hospitality sector now that the government have restored the old vat charge in, in terms of restaurants and and that surely the restaurateurs are going to they're going to collapse under the strain of this
4: I think, without doubt, there's a lot of businesses, particularly smaller businesses, that, you know, there's huge cost increases that have come to their businesses and the cost of energy, increased cost of staffing, etc., you know, so it is very much a survival of the fittest but equally I suppose in the hotel sector for example we've all seen increased prices in terms of getting a room rate etc so I think organisations are rebalancing their business model to make it fit for survival but because all businesses in that sector are doing it it's, it's I suppose more uh, palatable because it's different if one competitor is increasing prices it might price them out of the market but if everybody's doing it because they have to, based on costs, it's accepted that that's going to be the new norm. So mm. I think we have to make sure that we're treating our employees well. They're, you know, they're getting what they're entitled to. But now we also have to ensure that we're trying to be as best practice as we can to have an added edge as to why somebody wants to work with the organisation. Because as mm. we know, like most times, it's culture that keeps people. You know, it's um, a lot of the terms and conditions that attract, but it's culture then that keeps them.
3: Yeah, we're going to have to leave it there. Caroline, great to chat to you, and thank you so much. A
2: pleasure. Take, Take care, care. Thank you.
3: Caroline Reedy there with the HR Suite.
2: Corks 96FM When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy.